So that's my number one thing. If you have an idea, and even if people tell you it's crazy, there's probably a way you can figure it out now. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs. But there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huber. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Griffin Johnson. How you doing, man? Hey, it's a pleasure to be on. You know, we just, we got the Hawk Z up and going, baby. Yep. We're getting into it. Yeah, no, let's do it. So got to start, you know, were you born and then like in the delivery room came out like dancing, recording TikTok videos, like take me back. Where did it all start? Where are you from? <laughs> I honestly, I don't think it happened like that because I didn't hear any stories about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it, I guess it would make sense at this point. But I was born Southern Illinois. Well, pretty close to Central, but super small farm town called Paris, Illinois. There's about 8,500 people there and super, super uh, low key and community. And tell me about like, who, how, who are your parents? What did they do? You know, what kind of an upbringing did you have? Yeah. So growing up, my mom would just take care of me and my brother. Dad was a, uh, he worked at a place called Cargill. It's like a cereal mill that makes uh, like the cornflakes and everything for Kellogg's. And- nice all of the grain work. So nothing fancy, nothing special for sure. A true Midwest upbringing. <laughs> Literally corn, corn raised, corn fed. So <laughs> nice. And so your mom was super active with you and your brother was what kind of stuff did you get into as a kid? Like, where did your performer side of yourself start to come out? <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, really, it was all about sports for me. I got my first job whenever I was 11. I started detasseling corn. So it was all about, corn. yes, now that I think about it. I don't think that I ever did anything that was necessarily like performing. I never did like school plays or any of that. I never did band. Anything that you would think that I would have done, I never did. So I think that's ironic. Yeah, no, that's usually why it's fun to get the story. So sports, what was your, what was the first sport you really got into? And how old were you? My first sport actually was swimming. I was probably like... Mm, five, I think when I started. Yep. You actually started competing at five. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I think that's actually kind of what made me a super athlete. Whenever I was a young kid, like swimming just got me in such like physical, like it it was insane. And then I was like eight, I was playing on like the 10 year old all-star baseball team. And after that, it was just baseball for me. Yeah. And so how far did you take that? Did you go through college with baseball? Did you? I took it all the way up through high school. I, you know, obviously wanted to and ended up not being able to, but it was definitely something that I, I was working towards. But no, I, I went to nursing school and then just started focusing on school. Got it. And so to take it back, you said 11, you started working with corn. What drew you to that? Like most, most kids don't get a job at 11. Like it's, it, what, how did that come up? I always had a fascination with money. I always wanted to know, like, whenever I'd see my dad, like, have money in his wallet or whatever, I'd be like, I want money. And he's, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I was able to have the things I needed growing up, but we definitely didn't have a bunch of extra money to be spending. So I I wanted money. So I was like, how can I do it? And then I I got an offer to do detasseling from a friend of mine. So I immediately was like, okay, I'll make money. Yeah. And how was that? Did you like as an 11 year old actually getting a job? Did you like, 
you you love it? Did you go, wait, this working thing sucks? Like, how did that come up for you? No, I finished it and then I did it for like the next four or five years as a, like a second job. Right. So I, I definitely did like it a lot. But I remember whenever I was out there that I was so short that my shoulders would be exhausted at the end of the day because <laughs> I couldn't really reach it like everybody else would fly through the rows and I'd be one of the last people out every time. So that was super annoying because I never got a break. Yeah, got it. And so you say second job. So you, when did you start the other job? I guess the first job. Whenever I was 15, where I had another job and then I was doing a uh, brick mason work. Okay. So uh, building foundations and I uh, did a couple of buildings. I actually built the uh, the portal like potty bathroom for my fairgrounds. That's my biggest flex. <laughs> That's awesome. And okay, so you're. It sounds like you were really committed. I mean, you're playing baseball. You're working two jobs. Much of a social life growing up, or was it really just work, sports? Uh, to be honest, I, it was. It's kind of a weird situation when people ask me because. I hit puberty super late and I never would, I was never like partier, like drinker or whatever. So in high school, whenever kids started, you know, going out and having parties and drinking and this and that, I slowly shifted from being like the cool kid to not that cool. Obviously I wasn't like hated. It was just weird for me. So I don't know. It was super, I, I, I don't really know how to explain it because by the end it was like, I kind of resented everybody so I don't know. I wasn't hate, but I wasn't loved. Yeah. And I think that's normal for a lot of people that, frankly, you, you mentioned it like hitting puberty late, et cetera. Like you, the late bloomer that tends to end up being like the one that moves on to do something great, like not peaking in high school also sometimes means you're not peaking in high school. You're not, you know, the most popular kid. You're not the one that everybody wants to hang out with because you're thinking about things for the future. You're, I mean, you were literally working two jobs and doing sports and, you know, working on going to nursing school and all that, like, seems to make sense. So where'd you go to nursing school, by the way? Indiana State. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, you, and so I got to, so when did, like, the social media thing start to kick in? When did you get your first online account and that side of things? Okay, so I got my first one. It was my, let's see, that would have been my sophomore year, second semester, like, just starting that. So February of 2019. Oh, so it was in in college. Yeah. Got it. So you stayed off uh, social media in high school. Yeah, I never like, I'm not gonna lie all the way through high school and everything. I never had a musically. They used Twitter. I just basically had Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. And I barely used them ever. I think I posted on Instagram before started doing the TikTok stuff. It had been a year since I Instagram. Got it. And so what, how'd that come up as a person that wasn't super social media? You didn't like you're two years into college. How did it all of a sudden like, I'm going to get a mute or a TikTok? So it was kind of a mix of things. One was there was like girls and stuff. Cause obviously nursing school is predominantly like female at it. And we're talking about it, you know, and then I was putting a video that, that kind of blew up. And then I also had a friend named Chris Biddle and I don't know what it was, but it was like a weird thing where he was super like persistent on me getting one. I don't know what he saw, <laughs> but he saw something that I didn't see. And he would be like, you know, I'm not good looking enough for this, but you have to do it. <laughs> uh, and he pushed me to do it, actually. And then he took me to my first like social media event and kind of got me started. Uh -huh. by taking a playlist in Florida. He actually flew there with me 
So you, you hadn't really gotten into it yet. And you, you said, yeah, sure. Let's go to this social media thing in Florida. I made like a couple of videos that blew up. I walked okay. in, I think I had like a hundred thousand followers uh-huh. and I was just literally like the young guy and like, didn't know anything. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, I mean, listen, a hundred thousand followers still, I know it's gotten a crazy amount more than that now, but that's a good start. You just made a couple of videos and a hundred thousand people followed you. I think, yeah, that was like playlist is in like March or something. So I was probably a month and a half in. That's crazy. And so I guess he was right in terms of seeing something in you. And was it, what were these videos that initially kicked it off? Oh man, TikTok was completely different when I started. There also wasn't as much competition yeah. on the platform. So when people ask me like how it happened, it's a combination of like, I guess, luck and like a little bit of um like the right place at the right time but the videos were super simple the trends like i remember my first one of my first videos is like me doing a smiling thing where it goes the meter from zero to 100 yeah and literally just me like smiling more and more and uh, i think it got up that was like one of my biggest videos at the time it got like a million and a half views which that's the award-winning smile man there you go <laughs> Back on TikTok at that time, a million and a half was like, you didn't see over 200 or 300,000 likes. Yeah. You just, it wasn't, I don't even know if it was possible really. Nice. So, all right. So that, so your smile kicked you off. You go to Florida and, you know, get into this world. What, what were your initial thoughts when you're walking around? Like, cause it didn't sound like you sounded like you were a little hesitant. You were trying it out. It had gone well the first time. And now you're flying to another state to go check out a conference for it. So fell into it quick. <laughs> You know, to be honest, I was like, yo, these kids are weird. (laughs) No, I I feel like in anything that when you around, when you're not super committed, you're around a bunch of people that are diehards, you're gonna be like, what, what are these guys up with these people? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't know. But then I saw their lifestyle and how they were able to make money and do it like, as they please. And I'm like, okay, there's something to be done here. I don't know what it is. But there's something that people aren't seeing that I just had the opportunity to see. So yep. that's stick to it because I really did hate it at first. Um, <laughs> I, I come back, I'm like, yo, Chris, these kids are so, so weird, man. I don't know. <laughs> did did he keep pushing you? I wouldn't say that. I'd say that, you know, he was like reassuring me that I was making the, the right moves. Back at school, you know, uh, once we started making these videos and I was growing, I, I started getting pretty committed to it and people were starting to catch on and you know it's picking up traction and people were getting jealous or whatever it was and uh, I started getting a lot of hate which was weird for me because in college you know I was doing pretty well and I, I would say that I was pretty well liked and it, it was weird because I was starting to be the outcast again so he he really helped push me through that to be honest nice and it's always good to have that so at what point did it like, did you start making money? Did it really start taking off for you that you're like, okay, so I'm starting to get there? Yeah. So on those live streams, so towards the end, my, you know, late April, May, I was, I started making probably like two or 300 bucks, which in college, that's pretty yeah. substantial, you know, like, You're doing great. I, I would broke, you know, I, I would work all summer and then I couldn't work during the school year because of obviously because of class. So, you know, I'd, I'd make five grand last me the entire year. So I, and, uh, that was like insane money. I'd be like, drinks on me, everyone. Like, don't <laughs> worry, don't worry. 
That's um, awesome. And when did, and so you're saying that's like April, May, so still pretty quick, a few months into it? Yeah, that's probably like three months in. Cool. And what was your first deal? Who was the first person to pay you? Like brand deal. Or how are you, how'd you make that few hundred bucks? Where'd that come from? That was off of the live streams on TikTok, people donating. Got it, got it, yeah. Yeah, so it was like, I go live, I talk to them. And then like, I used to do, uh, at college, I had these shoes. And when people would donate to me, I would sign their name on it and follow them. Nice. And that's like, they would donate to me so they could get their name on the shoe or whatever it was. Just random stuff like building. Just being scrappy about it makes sense. And so, yeah, yeah, how long after that until your first brand deal? When did that start kicking in? So not too, like whenever I was at Playlist, I actually got asked to go on a tour. It was called the Lights Out Tour. A bunch of the guys, Josh, Anthony was there. Me and Anthony, he was actually my first social media friend. So he kind of helped me get started and promote in the beginning. Um, How was this tour? Talk more about that. The tour, it was interesting. So it was like a meet and greet thing. I still was new, didn't really understand like what was going on, but it was super fun. Like obviously we, a lot of the relationships I made lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, it was, was, by the end of it, we, none of us really got paid, but it launched our careers. Yeah. Were Um, you supposed to? Was there like someone that bailed out on paying you something you were supposed to get paid for? Yeah, I mean, like, I think combined, all of us made like 30 grand, uh-huh. maybe. Yeah. And there was of us. So uh, definitely was not a lot of money flow, but it definitely got all of us started. Uh, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, no, sometimes uh, you got to put in that investment as long as it's not getting conned. If someone ran away with the money, that's a different problem. But if it just didn't make much, but it got you kicked off, I feel like that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... There's rumors it made money and then there's rumors it's not, I, I don't know, but yeah, I think you're uh, doing all right. <laughs> yeah. You, hey, like we, we did perfectly fine coming off that thing. Yeah. And that was at that summer after you had gotten started. Yeah. That was summer of 2019. So yeah. this is kind of like, yeah, middle of that timeline. We, we came off of it. A lot of the guys went back to LA. Uh-huh. I uh, go back to school. So they were all there. I came off. So it was like, uh, Josh and Jaden, Anthony, and a couple other other guys. They were staying in LA, and that's whenever Bryce kind of came to the picture because they didn't have a house, so they stayed with Bryce. And then about, I would say halfway through that semester, I get a call from uh, a guy named Michael Gruen. <laughs> At the infamous, <laughs> I had no idea who he was. Yeah, and I was like, who is this kid? He like, I think it was a FaceTime. He FaceTimed me. He had like a flat bill snapback on and like this blue, like T Fox hoodie that I think he had like 12 of them. And that's like the T Fox. <laughs> like, and anyways, I'm like, who is this like guy? He's full of shit. <laughs> no way that this guy is going to get us a house in LA for free. Yeah. Because that's what he told me. And then Josh, Josh was the one that was like calling uh, with him, like trying to convince me to leave college and move out to LA with a bunch of kids. And you were, you were a junior at this point. Yeah. So I was, you know, damn near done with school. I was yeah. my first semester of junior year, like rocking, yeah, uh, doing my thing. And like, these guys are calling me saying like, you have a free place. You have to leave college and live with us. 
which, you know, now seems like it's a no brainer. Oh yeah. It's hard decision then. Yeah. At the time, you know, there's a lot of things going into it. Like I'm already, I'm already two and a half years, you know, done with school and I'm listening to these random weirdo social media kids (laughs) and they're telling me that I'm going to leave everything, tell my parents that I'm leaving. Yep moving to LA without a house yet, but I did it. They convinced me. So I got to ask, like, how, I, I assume you talked to your parents about it. How was that conversation? Oh my God. Probably hands down the worst conversation I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> parents are usually like super cool. Yep. super. Entertaining. They never, ever like, you know, uh, told me like, no, I couldn't do something really growing up. Like, obviously like I couldn't do anything I wanted, but yeah. You know, they were laid back. Like yeah. the parents said, be like, if you get drunk or whatever, just call us, which funny enough, they always were those guys. And I never did, but you have an idea. I never had a problem with them until that, that moment. And I wasn't expecting it really. Cause like I said, they've always been like the parents. It's like, you need us, call us like whatever. Yeah. was not like that. Wasn't- <laughs> so what happened? What was the reaction? Oh God. So my dad never even had the opportunity to go to college mm-hmm. and my mom, you know, she, she didn't really either at that, at that time. But later she went on, she's a nurse. Now she went back to school, like whenever I was 16 and got, got her degree for, to go to nursing. And anyways, though, so for them, this was like a crazy opportunity that I was going to university. I also had a full ride academic scholarship. So like, wow. it was super easy because it was free. Yeah. I was, Literally, like, I had a year and a half left at this time, basically, and they were just baffled because and nurses make good money. <laughs> yeah, and they were baffled. Good. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really, it didn't really make sense to them. They don't even really use social media. My, I don't even. My parents don't even have TikTok. They don't really. Do they still not? No. That's awesome. I always love how humbling family can be because like you've got an insane, you know, tens of millions of followers on TikTok and your parents are like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not signing on. (laughs) They just like, it's just not over there. They they don't get it. They get it. They don't want to get it. They don't get it. So yeah, I couldn't even explain what I was doing. And I think that was the hardest part was I think if they always told me like, you know, at the time they were super pissed and like they couldn't even believe it. But now once I went back and I've talked to them later down the line, I didn't, I couldn't really explain what I was saying. I'm like, yo, I'm moving to LA with these kids and we're going to get a house. That's basically what I told them. <laughs> so it definitely was not a great conversation it was by far the worst one that I've ever encountered with probably anyone, but especially with my parents. And were there any threats or anything? Was it more just like, we don't think this is a good idea. Don't do this. Like, how did it? It wasn't, there wasn't any threats. It was just, I think like they were just mind blown. Yeah. And like, obviously they were scared. My parents had never been to LA. Like they never really left, you know, Paris, Illinois or like the surrounding States. Yeah. So I remember growing up, LA was like the forbidden, like the freak show there. Yeah. <laughs> like we, whenever you hear LA, you'd be like, you know, Hollywood, like craziness, like drugs, partying, all of that stuff. So it was even worse that it was LA. Got it. And so obviously you had that conversation, but like, I'm just going to go for it and committed. Yeah. Like I, I did a terrible job at explaining it too. Uh, obviously I was super nervous and I 
to be to be fair, I really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I just had a gut feeling. I'm like, you know, we went on tour, we blew up like a crazy amount. I'm, I guarantee if we do it again, we'll blow up even more. I just sent it. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Can always finish nursing school later. Your mom's a testament to that. So that's what I said to her. I'm like, mom, I can go back anytime I want. Yeah. That's actually the benefit of that, you know, vocation too. You go, yeah, as a nurse, you can kind of start whenever people like nurses are always in demand. So if things didn't work out, you might lose a year, but it's not like your career's over. You just finish. (laughs) Finish and pay. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. That was the part. Yeah. You'd, so losing your scholarship, did you, were you able to take a year off and de- defer anything at the time? I mean, you mean did like you- I worked? Yeah, I was able to take a semester off. Okay. So you could go uh, back after a semester if you wanted to, obviously, you didn't end up doing that. But that that was an option. Yeah. So that's kind of what I talked about whenever I left over Christmas break. And then I just decided that, you know, once we got the house that I was going to stay there. And then I switched my major. Got it went strictly online very cool oh so have you been able to finish school during this period yeah i just graduated uh in May. Congrat- congratulations what'd you end up majoring in so i did business management smart uh, minor in marketing very cool and so so you moved to la did you ha- so when you got to la there was no house yet no and I, so was just, I was sleeping on a couch whose couch so we you, do you remember the the house that we had in Encino? It has like the spiral staircase. Yep. That was like the free time house. And we were staying there on the couch. Got it. And did you like look at Gruen and Josh and be like, the fuck guys, I just dropped out of school and did all this stuff. What oh, are we doing? <laughs> I was so scared. Uh, <laughs> because I literally thought Michael was completely full of shit. Like I literally told Josh, I would have like side conversations. I'm like, dude, you just met this guy. Like, look at him like he's literally wearing like a flat bill like like craziest thing i had ever seen and i was like bro how are you gonna trust this guy i'm trusting you we're all trusting everybody here like and this is what we're relying on the, the kid in the flat bill saying he's gonna get us a free house and it actually worked and you know obviously we all ended up being good buddies and yeah things out but i remember the first time meeting michael and i was like is this kid real like i met him at a conference in la it's got to be three years ago now. And it was like, you know, all the people that he knew, because we were at a conference with a lot of, you know, sort of very well-connected people and walking, he's walking, like high-fiving Kevin O'Leary and doing all this stuff. I'm like, who is this guy? Literally. Yeah. You know, Dan Fine now, right? Yeah. That's who introduced me to him at this conference. No way. Yeah. Because I've known Dan forever. Yeah. Mr. And Mr. Dan Fine. Yeah. Great, dude. All right. So how long did it take to get the house? Like how long were you living on a couch for? I mean, let's see. I was probably sleeping on a couch for probably two and a half weeks or so. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like some long period that you're like, what are we doing here? It was more like yeah, a couple of weeks and then some, it came through. Yeah, it was probably like two and a half, three weeks before we got in conversation about the house and then probably like another and a half after that. And then we were, we, we moved in. And so when that conversation started, where was it like a little look at like growing like, oh, maybe this guy's legit kind of thing? Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. I mean, sweet. He moved in with us and then we got closer, you know, and yeah. he, he would make, you know, promises and he always delivered on it. So, you know, yeah. over time, it was like he, he talked about the house and then, you know, as our career started, you know, he helped us get this and verification, like 
yeah. and all this stuff. And he always came through. And obviously it just got to a point over time. It was like, you know, pretty much if he said something, it was legit. It was coming through. That's awesome. And what, where, where does that put us at where you're like winter, or I guess the beginning of 2020. Yeah. So that was, that's the beginning of 2020, January of 2020, we moved in January 3rd. Okay. And that started sway and all of that stuff. Got it. And so, and you partnered with Triller right away too, right there who sponsored the house. No, 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 oh, no. I thought that, okay. Truly wasn't anything. It was the free time people. So like when they Got started, it. it was like all of them and that whole group. Got it. Cool. And so how did things kick off from there? Like, was it immediately all of a sudden money started flowing in? Like it all worked out day one. It just worked. No, actually. Like, I guess once we started the house, it definitely started grabbing people's eyes, like an attention uh -huh. and it took a little bit. So Probably a month in, we really started like taking off, like yeah. all together living in this house. And then by late February is when we really started picking up traction. Like that's when the heat started rolling. I remember like all of the YouTubers and people that I had seen before, because I never watched any of that stuff growing up. So I knew basically nobody. Yeah. But there was people that I saw like, you know, David Dobrik and like Logan Paul and them. And they started reaching out to us and we started hanging out with them. And that's when I was like, all right, we're yeah. rock. I know these people. I've seen them. Like, obviously, I know their numbers. Yeah. And that, and then the pandemic hit, which obviously cut that off. It was a weird time. Or like in LA, like at home. And that's like when things started just skyrocketing. I was going to say, but everyone's stuck. Like, I think that's when I started using TikTok and I'm in my 30s. So I'm, I was the new demographic that jumped on when the pandemic hit and was like, what do we do now? Yeah, it was like the craziest sway was like the craziest whirlwind of like, right people, right place, right time. You could not like ask for a better combination with quarantine in the house and like all of that. If we would have waited any longer, yeah, it wouldn't have been the same. Like because yeah, it, it happened three weeks after you said things started to take off. Literally, it was a quarantine. Yeah, like right at that February mark, and then we went to. We went to, I think it was playlist again, uh -huh. March, and it just, it just took off. It was like, yeah. it was game over. Nice. And so during quarantine, so you guys are quarantined, obviously can make a lot of content or stuck in the house, but there was some crazy stuff. Like you, did you guys end up getting shut down for some party or something? Didn't something like that happen? Or was that not you guys? No. Yeah, it was. But yeah. the saddest part is like, whenever those things happen, obviously the whole group goes down, Yeah, but I left. I was oh. like, I was like, oh no, this is not a good idea. Yeah. So when that party happened, I flew all the way back home. I was, oh, wow. I was, I was in, in, I think Indiana the night that it, it all went down. I, I can't remember if I was at home or if I was at my friends, but either way, I remember I, I saw all of it. And I'm like, oh God. Like, yeah. This <laughs> is, and after that, you know, obviously like it was all in the news and the water and power got shut off and all that stuff. But my biggest flex is that I wasn't there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, you got out of there. And so so during that period, you know, I guess over the past, let's say, year, things continued to take off, right? And you guys started building businesses. Like, how did that happen? You go from brand deals and making content to like, we're going to build a visa, VC fund. We're going to launch an energy drink. We're going to do all this stuff. By the way, while we barely can travel and we're not allowed, supposed to be really seeing anyone. So like, how did that like business side really kick off? So obviously, like the, uh, the 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 quarantine time, like all the way through that summer and everything is kind of just like, you know, content, 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 there was nothing yep. really 
exciting to happen, obviously, because it was like lockdown in LA. So yep. we were just house filming, 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 like blowing up. So that's pretty much what happened then. Like by the end of that next summer, things were like a little bit better. We could go out to like college campuses and do some stuff. And it's funny because like, I remember showing the guys how to shotgun. So like when you put the hole in the can, yeah. drink it. I love and that showing the guys <laughs> that had never experienced a shotgun. That's pretty yeah. <laughs> College and like had that experience and yeah. they done it. Um, I remember I literally taught Bryce how to do it. And then after that, they just, you know, it's like a new thing you learn that's cool and they just got addicted to it. So like they wanted a shotgun stuff. So they would do like energy drinks or whatever for the videos. So that's kind of like how they started with Annie. You know, they they would do their YouTube videos and they would shotgun it and they kind of talked about it. And that's how they started the energy drink. I'm a little butthurt because I, I never got any equity or anything from Annie, even though I was the one that showed him how to start shotgunning to begin with. But anyway, it I happens. Know. It's it's um, it like goes around, comes around in a good way, too. Like you do a favor, they'll look out for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's how that that first one started. And that was like when we were still kind of like demons when we were still like on our wild stuff and yeah that's when things started to settle down a little bit there towards the end after everyone got in trouble and all of that stuff so that was the first one that kicked off and then afterwards i'm like yo michael like i want to start doing that stuff and you know it was still a weird ground because we were like i said we were being demons and then i went through a breakup had a super massive humbling and that's when I moved in with Michael and that was August of that 2020 summer. Got it. And I just had like a super coming to Jesus meeting. Like <laughs> whenever I moved in with him, we were staying in a little Airbnb and uh, I kind of got away from the whole wild scene and started building the businesses and getting in. And obviously Josh came in and it was us three after that. Got it. And so when did you decide you're going to start a fund? Like was it sounds like cash was pouring in. Were you getting just tons of brand deals that you were building cash from or what was going on? No, I mean, like, like I said, we were so wild that no brands would really, oh, wow. they, I mean, they didn't want to work with us. Like there was all of our money was coming in through like our YouTube and our live streams. Like we Got only it. depend on ourselves for money and yeah. our fans. Well, that's kind of nice too, though. I mean, not that you don't want yeah. the brand deals, but it's nice that you guys can still make good money just doing it yourself. Yeah. I mean, of course wanted the the brand deals yeah. and the cash. we just had to rely on ourselves at that point so that's when that's why starting businesses was so crucial yep. because you weren't going to make long-term cash or any substantial money unless we built those companies yep. like we did always because of the path that we took which was kind of like you know a double-edged sword because on one end we acquired an audience that was so massive that we were like the biggest in the world at the point yeah but side was we were so wild that we weren't able to get any brand deals so that's kind of how the stuff started got it and so when, when did you start investing because I, I i can't i remember michael reaching out to me too and like you guys are starting to angel invest and i was like love that move i've you know i've worked with influencers for a decade now and it was like no one is everyone's talked about it but i haven't seen it often that people are actually like i'm going to be more long-term focused on this versus i got 100 grand i'm buying a ferrari like it's like no no we're going to buy some companies yeah, so I remember that happened. Uh, Sheridan Claiborne from Lynn Table was uh -huh. my first investment, but Michael was like obviously trying to like you know push us towards that because I didn't know anything about fintech or seed or priest. I didn't know anything about business to be completely honest. 
Yeah. And, you know, he was talking to us about it and teaching us and kind of like introducing us to young, like some of the founders and slowly pushing us in that direction. I met Sheridan, like, you know, they match 401ks and, you know, obviously it helps people that might not have a substantial amount of income or able to, you know, pay for things of that nature. So for me, it hit home because I knew a lot of people that struggled with that. And I was like, I want to help. So my first investment, I really didn't know what was going on, but I was like, I want to help and support that. So that was my first check. And then after that, my, you know, I kind of like got addicted to that feeling and I wanted to do more. So, you know, Michael was like, here's a few more people started putting in some personal checks, building up that portfolio. Then when we started getting really serious, it was like eight, eight hours a day of like founder calls. Wow. Just back. Were you still making content during that time too? Like keeping that going? Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it went from nothing to a little bit to we have to build our, you know, our build our name up and like be taken seriously in this. And then eventually we got to a point after a while where we were able to use those connections and start our own fund. Yeah. And so at what point did you, did Marshall show up your partner on that fund? So Let's see. When did Marshall start? I feel like it's been probably nine months now. I think so. Like this fun because like the cadence in which this whole thing happened is insane. Like you're talking, we've just spent 30 minutes talking about a two-year period of I'm in nursing school to I have a venture fund, a bunch of investments, one of the biggest TikTok stars, like moved yeah. to LA. <laughs> crazy time. But yeah, I remember like we were looking because the hardest part for us was people understand business or, you know, kids understand social media, but there's like no in between. So, you know, Marshall came from Goldman, I believe at Warner. I never really asked him that story, but I think that's what it was. And so he was like a good mixture of both. Like he understood like media, he understood obviously like traditional and like business and all that. So, and he's young. So that was perfect mix for us. And he came on board and now, you know, we have our, we have our fun and we're, I I feel like uh, it's safe to say now that we're killing it. So I think you're doing all right. And so the fun, you keep creating content. Did you end up launching your own brand too? Or so do you have your, are Um, you looking at that? I'm not going to lie. So I tried doing some stuff with my, uh, just literally Griff in the summer and, Every merch company was so terrible to us. Yeah, that I on it, I was like, "This isn't even worth it." And the margins and and everything on the on the merch was just yeah. wasn't even worth it to me. Yep, I'm looking eventually to build out a brand, but you know, more through my content and like something like that rather than just my myself and my yep. name. Yeah, I think that's good. And so two more questions for me, man, what's next would be the, what, what are you, what are you hoping for now? You've had a pretty rocket ship of a couple of years, but <laughs> you know, two years from now, billionaire, like what's, what's the next step for you? What do you think's coming? You know, I used to think money was my driver, but for me now it's just doing things that I enjoy um, and being able to bring those to people. So for me now I'm looking to do more content. So building out the Hollywood pillar now can you do some, some shows and some, some movies and more just building out myself as a person. Social media, you know, I never was really able to do that through 15-second videos on TikTok. So now it's my journey and my mission to build out and get my story out to other people and hopefully just do a lot of like passion projects and a lot of things that I I like to do and, and humanize myself a little bit in the media. Nice. I love it. And 
Last question. What would be your advice? You took some crazy risks and some, uh, <laughs> some awesome things that have, you know, worked out, but for that person that's listening, that's, you know, hasn't done that yet, that hasn't taken the leap, but wants to pursue their dreams, so to speak. What do you think is that one piece of advice that you don't normally hear that either you wish you were told or you're lucky you were told that's something that you would love to tell other people out there? I think that, you know, obviously you don't want to do anything just absolutely absurd, but it's a new generation with a lot of opportunities that, you know, a lot of successful people just don't understand. That's been super apparent to me that, you know, social media is taking over. So anyone that, you know, has a gut feeling that, you know, they want to leave on a whim and do something that's never been done, or people say it's crazy. There's a good chance, you know, if you have a solid, you know, at least somewhat of a backing, and it isn't absolutely absurd, like I said, that there's an opportunity to make it work. So I think a lot of people underestimate social media and its power. And it's obviously becoming more evident through TikTok, but you can do about anything you want and market yourself without any money. So that's my number one thing. If you have an idea, and even if people tell you it's crazy, there's probably a way you can figure it out now. Love it. Well, Griffin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Hawk Talk. Of course. It was a pleasure. Always is. Hawk Media is your outsourced CMO and marketing team. We'll dive into your business for free, identify opportunities in your marketing strategy, then get you teamed up with individual experts, all month to month and a la carte. Whether you're looking for a Facebook advertiser, a web designer, or a fractional CMO, we can help you drive growth for your business. We've successfully grown over 2,500 brands, and we're here to help you too. No matter your goal, we've got you covered. To learn more, visit hawkmedia.com. That's hawk with an E, media.com. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.